Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Recording in progress. Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold here on the Barroom Network. I am Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how are you doing today, man? Hey, Ed, I am doing pretty well. Uh, that Bulls game was a uh, interesting game, uh, to say the least. But I'm not doing too bad myself. How about you, man? How are you? How's your uh, evening? How did yeah. you enjoy that game? Yeah, things are going really well, man. Uh, the the Bulls pulled a very close one out, uh, but I feel like even when you have like a close game against the Hornets, it, it's kind of like still yours anyway. Like I, I don't know, I feel like they weren't really gonna lose the game, even though it was close. So I feel like they were they weren't really uh, in in too much jeopardy here. But yeah, things are going really well. And I, I mean, I know you've had we were just talking like before we started recording, but I mean, you've had a great great like past week man you were you were on vacation you got engaged again congrats dude yes. so yeah you you've been you've been living it up you've been having you've been making big memories so things more important larger than life than uh, a bulls hornets game <laughs> two things happen i went to cancun the bulls are gonna be there in like three right, months right <laughs> uh I, I i gave my girl a ring the bulls aren't gonna get a ring this year so yeah uh <laughs> so there are correlations there yeah there are correlations for my past week to the bulls <laughs> hey, you, you've been making the right moves man the front office needs to learn a thing or two because that's how you that's how you give someone the ring right there man so yeah no congrats to you and and your fiance man yeah those big things but yeah we gotta we appreciate gotta it, appreciate it yeah we gotta we got a, a bulls hornets game to react to briefly so we're gonna we're gonna get into that we're gonna talk uh patrick williams injury uh i feels like uh this injury feels very bulls like when i when i saw the the name of the injury i was like <laughs> this is definitely a chicago bulls yeah uh, season bad, ending injury, bad something like communicating yeah <laughs> Bad communication on the Bulls' part about <laughs> what the injury is, and then you find out his it's a much serious injury than what they originally said it was. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to get into that. And uh, Julian Phillips has been stepping up uh, recently uh, in the absence of uh, uh, in the absence of Patrick Williams. So we're beginning to see more playing time from him, and I think he's shown some really promising things. So he's in a rotation going forward. So. We're going to get into that. And we also have a trade dead, deadline update with a trade deadline uh, coming up really soon, man. Coming up really soon. I believe February 8th, I believe. It's uh, February. Yeah, I think. Yeah, February, yeah, February 8th. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, coming up and there's a lot of chatter that we may see a repeat of past trade deadlines where the Bulls may stand uh, pat. So uh, I feel like I feel like every year we're always dreading that. But it feels like this year more so than past years is uh, one that we really don't want to see where things uh, stand pat overall. So we'll, we'll get into that. And joining us uh, today on Bulls Go, we have had him a countless amount of times. I mean, he is one of the best follows on Bulls Twitter, hell on NBA Twitter in general. You know him from CHGO. He's a great friend of ours. We've taught basketball with him uh, for, for so long from uh, message board forums to Twitter. And then on this podcast, like we've, we've had him on here since uh, the jump. I believe he might have been one of our uh, first guests but when we started. But, um, you know, him, you follow him. Hopefully you do follow him. But again, from CHGO, Mark Karenzulis, man. Welcome back to Bulls Gold, man. Long time no talk, man. It's been a while, guys, but uh, thanks for having me back. I'm not sure there's many people back there who actually 
enjoy my tweets. <laughs> At least I'm reminded daily that that's not the case. But uh, it is nice of you to say that regardless, whether yeah. it's fact or not. But uh, happy to be joining you both here today to be talking about this riveting, riveting Chicago Bulls, <laughs> Charlotte Hornets game. Yeah, I know we gotta we gotta grill Mark on why he hates Billy Donovan so much. We have to find <laughs> out. Get to the bottom of this. What is your deal with Billy Billy Donovan? <laughs> oh, I hate him, mate. I just absolutely hate him. The way he chews his gum, the way his rotations, uh, his play calling, his offense, his defense. Uh, just just a terrible person. Just need to extract him from the organization. Just shocking person. I saw a tweet of yours uh, early in the game where you, you, it was saying uh, there have been two air balls in the first couple of minutes of this Bulls Hornets game. What am I doing to myself? <laughs> yeah, there might have been an exploit event uh, in addition to that, but you know, you know, I understand why you would leave that out. But yeah, I mean, the opening to this game was was painful. The first half, to be fair, was yeah. not ideal viewing, but then. You know, fortunately, Kobe White did his thing in, in the second half and took over and made the game more enjoyable from that point of view. But I would be lying if there was not a point during that first quarter stint where I was thinking to myself, why am I committing to this next two and a half hours? And to be fair, guys, if we weren't recording this podcast, <laughs> my commitment to that game may have, may have waned a little bit earlier. But um, I'm glad I stuck with it because it was good to see a dub, good to see Kobe doing his thing. Um, and yeah, even Vooch. Yeah, Uch had a, another, you know, malign guy within the, the Chicago Bulls organization right now. Uh, a guy I've been yeah. sympathetic toward. Like he had a reasonable game as well. So there's some stuff for us to discuss. I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it all, but um, yeah, at least look, we got to watch a W. That, yeah, that, that's you, the main thing. You're you're kicking it off uh, on the on the right note here with uh, Kobe White, uh, a North Carolina native from Goldsboro mm-hmm. to be exact, uh, making his homecoming uh, once again to to North Carolina and just putting up some. Put up some ridiculous numbers, man. I mean, this is what Kobe has done uh, pretty much all season, man. I mean, he just looks in control out there. He's able to do what he wants to do. He's driving to the basket, had a nice flush uh, in this game. Just had a, a really great game. Uh, 35 points, seven rebounds, nine assists, uh, four from 10 from three. Uh, he started out making, I think, his first four from the field in a row. So uh, just fantastic. And like you said, Vooch, 22 and 12 in this game. Uh, still kind of cold from three overall, but uh, this game overall, it, it was a very close game with the Hornets being in control for a little bit for small stretches, but the Bulls pulled it, pulled it out when it mattered. So uh, what did you think about uh, Kobe's game, Mark? I mean, this this is what he's been doing all season. He's played like an all star to me uh, this season, and I think he has to be up there for one of the most improved players in the league. But we just continue to marvel at the the development that Kobe White has made this season. And it's honestly kind of refreshing because when we talk about how some players in the past with the Bulls have not been able to reach their ceiling here, it's finally nice to kind of be on the right side of it once with Kobe White, who's having just a breakout season in his fifth year in the NBA. So what, what were your thoughts on what Kobe White has done and, uh, and did in this game against the Hornets and what he's been doing overall? Yeah, look, I mean, there's, there's so many things. Like his, his individual scoring has dramatically improved, particularly off the bounce. The way he's out of that hezzy game and his ability to get downhill and now finish at the at the rate that he has been at the rim. It didn't necessarily start that well for him at the rim this season, but he's got it together. And that pick and roll downhill game that he has with Vooch particular, and this is a thing that goes on maybe unnoticed about the Vooch thing. We can talk about that later maybe, but... Mm. I think he's got himself a good pick and roll partner where someone who can get him downhill and Kobe can use that speed and burst and that handle that he's added. So that's really added to his game. Obviously that catch and shoot component to his game as well. Like that's always there. 10, 10, three point attempts. Like I think what I've really appreciated with Kobe this season is I haven't had to question like, why is he only taking four or five threes and not to demone or you know, go in on Zach Levine type thing, given that, again, he's somewhat maligned too and is an easy uh, an easy target in some respect. But like there was games where we were always begging for Zach to take catch and shoot threes or to take, you know, 10 or more threes, those sorts of things. Kobe has sort of just done it organically in some respects. He hasn't had to be pushed to do so. He hasn't been asked to do so. It's just part of his, part of his arsenal. So the fact that almost 50% of his shots are coming from the three-point line He's shooting efficiently from three. 
but he's then added that other component to his game in addition to his playmaking taking another leap. Like the offense more generally has just, yeah, it's just been noticeable the way the jump he's made across the board offensively. So uh, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't even know what to say at this point. Like, I don't know if he is the most improved player because there's, there's yeah. some other pretty great candidates out there, but if he was to win it, he would be a worthy winner of that award. But uh, yeah, what he's done and like, I guess all the other thing is like what the Bulls are asking him to do as well. Like he played 43 minutes tonight mm-hmm. to be learning and developing and trying to understand what it is to be a primary uh, primary option on the offense, leading the option leading the offense as the lead option and doing all that under the minute load that the team is asking of him right now and like the, that level of res- responsibility that he does has like that, that that's insane to me the the leap that he's made so all credit to Kobe I didn't see this coming I don't know how many people did maybe the uh the C red homers certainly maybe hoped or saw this coming <laughs> but uh this level of leap from Kobe from year four to year five is uh you know it's somewhat unprecedented Maybe not completely, but he, he you know, tip my hat to him. He's, he's been amazing. I think the scoring to me is probably not too surprising. Like, I figured maybe, maybe not to this level, like, because he's kind of become almost like a three level scorer. Uh, but, like, I, I figured, like, as a, a scorer off the bench would be something that he could really be a big factor in. But the playmaking, like you said, Mark, um, his decision making has been really tremendous considering where he was even just two years ago, where a lot of times we would, you know, complain about him when he would drive to the basket or when he had the ball in open court, he routinely would miss guys, even just wide open under the basket. But now you're seeing him making some difficult passes, uh playmaking again tonight with nine assists and only three turnovers compared to and in general, he's generally been pretty good with not turning the ball over. Like you talked about like the playmaking, like how surprised are you like with that leap that he's become such a reliable uh, ball handler and someone you can trust as okay, he's not going to turn the ball over late in the game. Yeah. I mean, again, I didn't see that necessarily coming Like to your point, like the scoring in some respects was always there. It was hit and miss in, in some respects because it was very jump jump shot driven. It kind of depended on like whether he had his jumper going. But now, even if his jumper isn't going because he's added all those other components to his game, he's still able to, you know, have a twenty point night. Even if it's you know not an overly efficient one because he's he's added those things. He's getting to the rim now, or getting to the free throw line now because he's get he's able to get to the rim. He had nine free throws tonight, but more generally this season, he's being able to get to the, the free throw line. But to your point, like the handles and the decision-making, like he made a leap last season around this piece uh, from year three to four. Now that was noticeable because in those first three seasons, he just didn't really have that stuff in his, in his game at all. He was a turnover guy. He's, you know, his passing chops just weren't there necessarily. The reads weren't there. They were, they were too slow or they just weren't there at all. But what he did last season gave me faith that you know, even if his if even if his his own offense isn't working, that he would, he can make the right decisions. But then to make another leap, like you noted there, Salim, to 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 go from what he was or the leap that he already made for last season to what he's doing now, to where he's legitimately every other game pretty much having eight, nine, ten assists, uh, really controlling the offense from that standpoint. All all you know, doing all that whilst limiting his turnovers. It is again crazy to think that he's been able to to make all of these leaps. And he's doing it all simultaneously. Like it's not like he's adding just one thing to his game, each little segment of the season type thing. Like this is all almost come at once type thing. So like the fact that it's all happening right now, and we were talking pre-show, like thank God that he's done this because who the hell knows what this team this season would right. be had Kobe <laughs> not made this star leap. Um, but yeah, the Bulls are. You know, they should be very, very thankful that he has because he, in some respects, has saved their season. The, the team, I think, is 18 and 12 over their last 30 games. That doesn't have that doesn't happen without Kobe making that leap and transitioning into the into the league guy as he has. So, uh, yeah, he's, it's been awesome. I think people, I still don't, well, I, I guess my issue in some respects is maybe people want too much of Kobe too soon, let, let's say. And I, it always, I always find it puzzling when, there's um, pushback around, you know, other people creating in in fourth quarter situations. I think what Kobe is doing and the amount that he's been asked to do so quickly is, you know, underappreciated in some respects. And 
I, I kind of almost want them to allow this guy just to go a little bit more slowly in, in the way he's developing and building. But at the same time, the, the rate at which he's, he, the rate at which he is developing this season, maybe you just do hand the keys to him and just let him do his thing because he's been uh, pretty damn incredible. Right. Yeah, I, I think the patience to me is still just fascinating because when Kobe started as a rookie and like all rookies do, the game is too fast for them, but it slowed down for him dramatically. And we even see him changing up so many different gears and playing at different speeds uh, against defenders. Like he really has a lot of defenders on a string, really. So he's much more meticulous and calculated in his approach. And it's been really great to see. And I, I think you make a solid point that if he was not playing at this level, a game like this against Charlotte on a Wednesday, I mean, these are the type of trap games that mediocre teams like the Bulls can typically fall into pretty easily. And they almost just as easily uh, could have lost this game overall. Um, mm. When we look at uh, Vooch's play, uh, Vooch 22 and 12 tonight, again, 10 for 22 from the field, um, still cold shooting overall on the season. He, he's been a big uh, topic point this season because of the new contract he's declined offensively and it's not really a not really a big value right now I think for teams who could potentially be looking to add someone like him at the trade deadline but uh, there's been a lot of conversation about him and I I think it's it, it feels like there's probably a little bit more nuance to it because like even though he has declined this season he is still adding some value to the team in different ways and he does still make the pulls a little bit better. But what were your thoughts on what you saw from Vooch in this game and what he's looked like uh, uh, during the season? Well, I mean, he hasn't been as good as he was last season. I think that's mm-hmm. fair. Um, and I think it's also fair to say that there's not many Vooch fans remaining. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, maybe that's fair. But this topic more generally is so heated, I think, for a number of different reasons. But so many people just can't get past the trade that brought Vooch here and that colors the whole Vooch discussion to some degree. Mm -hmm. We can either, we can argue as to what degree that is, but I think people do struggle to get past that emotion. And then that that colors what they see on the court right now. And it always confuses me because irrespective of his three point shooting or, you know, his field goal percentage more generally or whatnot, like that there are things he does well. I still don't understand why people think he's a bad defender because I don't see that now. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I, I don't see a bad defensive player. I'm not saying I see a good defensive player or someone that you know can play multiple schemes or anything like that, but he's still positionally where he needs to be. I think his passing is still huge for this offense, particularly right now with Zach out and your only on-ball creators being Damar and Kobe. Having that release valve connective piece like Vooch in in, in, around the elbows is so important, and I don't think that gets anywhere nearly enough praise that it deserves. And we saw when he was out, when Andre Drummond was was uh, starting, the offense was very simplified. You kind of know what you're getting from Andre Drummond, but the Bulls were 29th in offensive rating when uh, Andre Drummond was starting. Now, not to suggest that what they're doing with Vooch is anything to write Homer about because what are they, like 18th or 19th on offense this mm-hmm. season more generally? So it's not, we're not talking about a good offense regardless, <laughs> but the point being there was a noticeable uh, diminishing aspect to the offense when Vooch wasn't there. So I just think the conversation around him is so heated to the point where you can't even have a reasonable discussion about Vooch and the noise is so loud that it, it kind of drowns out any of the, the positives that he does have. Now, I'm not sitting here saying, like I said before, that he's been good this season or anywhere good as he was last season. He's probably one of the worst starting centers in the NBA at this point. But that doesn't mean he can't add value or hasn't been adding value, those types of things. So I think there's room for some nuance, as you noted. I think the the truth is somewhere in the middle, but uh, the fan base is just angry for a number of different reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Vooch, yeah. being one of the more maligned guys, is going to cop it often. Uh, the minute he does something bad, people are on him. But the minute he does something good, there's, there's silence. So that stuff annoys me. But look, it is what it is. We can't change it. Yeah, it's always it's a fit and role makes a difference. Like Vooch is what the player that he is now. He's overextended on this team yeah. about about what is required out of him. So obviously, mm-hmm. when you overextend a guy, all the metrics for him are going to come out bad. Like he's he he's not supposed to be your second best player anymore. Yeah. Like he's not. And yeah. unfortunately, on some nights he's had to be. Like obviously, you can say with him and Demar, uh, who's 
and between him and Doug Demar and Kobe, who's like the you know the the uh, how that levels out. But like you know the the responsibilities for him are different. Like for example, let's say you put him on the Clippers instead of Zubac. Like I think him not having as much responsibility, him just being kind of a guy that would roll and just play off of like those big three. Uh, players, I, I think you probably see a lot better metrics out of him. Like his advanced stats will look better than what they are. Um, and the other thing, obviously, too, is his contract. Again, you know, he's he's overpaid for what he's his capabilities are. So all that stuff mixed together, it, it, it does play a factor into fans' opinions on on who he is as a player, and and the anger arises from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, hundred percent. But like, it's like, but it also, it, it's annoying to always have to set these caveats on the conversation that we're having. Like, if we're just yeah. talking about Vooch, the basketball player, then, uh, and not to suggest this is what you were uh, saying, Salim, but like, it always comes up in the discourse. Like, the trade comes up. Like, we're talking about Vooch and what yeah. he's doing on 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 about on the court and you know, what he brings positively, what he takes away. But then all of a sudden you'll get a, a a comment from someone saying, well, they gave up too much for him. And it's like, yeah, okay, we all know that. That was three years ago, but that's not what we're talking about now. Or they'll mention that he's overpaid and, you know, why did we re-sign him? Those, those types of, uh, you know, remarks. And it's like, okay, okay, like fine, I get all that, but we're talking about basketball right now. Can we just talk about basketball? Um, but all that stuff gets mixed in and, like I said, more generally, the fan base is angry for a number of different reasons. Um, and he's an easy lightning run in that respect. And, and maybe he deserves some of it. Mm. I don't know if he deserves all of it like he generally gets. But I, I still I still think he adds value. And I thought we saw that tonight against against the, the Hornets. Like, this wasn't a DeMar game. DeMar, I think, up like halfway through the, the fourth quarter, I only had like six field, field goal attempts. Beyond Kobe, that the Bulls needed someone else to be doing some stuff on offense. And Vooch did that on tonight. He was passing the ball around. He had his three assists. He had his 20-something points, um, was taking up a good chunk of the offense because he needed to, because who else is going to do it beyond Kobe if DeMar hasn't got it going? And this wasn't a game where DeMar was taking his 20 shots and was, you know, five or 20 or something. He just wasn't in get in the game probably because it was a back-to-back situation and DeMar is obviously 34 at this point. So you, you kind of need that volume guy. And it has to be Vooch in those situations because who else is it going to be? Like, do you want Caruso taking 14 shots in a game or does Io really have that in him? Or certainly, uh, you know, Terry Taylor or Julian Phillips or <laughs> any of these other bench guys, Javon Carter. I don't want to see Javon Carter having 15 shots. So, like, what else are you meant to do? Yeah, the the, the depth of the team has really been uh, been pushed right now. It's, it's really being pushed mm. right now. And it's, uh, I mean, you're... I, I don't know. It's, we we go nine deep, but it's really kind of a questionable nine overall. Uh, yeah. I, I don't really know what you can say about uh, yeah. the depth. So it's like, you know, it, it, you're going to end up in situations generally where the starters are going to be playing a lot of minutes and you don't really have a whole lot of scoring options. So, you know, a game like this where Boosh can step up in a big way is really appreciated. Um, it, it just feels like he's just been become the poster child for um, – Generally, just with this disappointment and the angst amongst fans for what the vision of this team looks like going forward, because, you know, because of a trade and then, you know, doubling down again with the the new contract. So it just feels like he's uh, kind of like the, the poster boy for, you know, all of that. So it, it's unfair in some ways, but I, I do think that he still adds value to this team, even if we disagree with what the overall uh, direction is going forward of this team. Um, when we're looking at, when we're looking at what the team is right now, they're, uh, coming off this win against the Charlotte Hornets at 23 and 26 now, uh, they've had some chances to kind of sneak up to get the 500 overall, but it's just been a really tall task for them. And it just feels like this team is going to be hovering overall as a middling team as expected. Um, so where does this team, where do you think this team is going the rest of this season, Mark? I mean, at 23 and 26, I mean, they are, if I'm checking the standings, they are uh, ninth in the Eastern Conference. So they are firmly in that play and mix. But, you know, it, it that's not, I guess, a desirable outcome for many fans to see. But it could be a different story for the front office overall. So when we're looking at the trade deadline, 
this team kind of has a really tall task because they're not really they're not really buyers and they don't really have a ton to really sell with, at least not at the price range that they want to. So uh, when we look at uh, Darnell Mayberry's uh, recent report from the Athletic about how the Bulls may just end up standing pat overall. So we could just be really dealing with this uh, for the rest of the season. And then probably Zach comes back at some point. But what do you make of this team going forward for the rest of the season? Like, is this just what this is going to look like? I mean, is there a chance you think that they can if they're if they are trying to pursue a play in mix, is there a chance that maybe they could improve the team somehow? I don't know, but like, what do you think of the overall um, direction? I guess for this season and how effective that's actually going to be. Well, I, I didn't necessarily agree with the direction coming into the season, but once mm. once where the decision has been made and it is what it is, then then you got to live with it. The, the thing that annoys me about this season and in some respects is a missed opportunity about this season. And I don't know how material it is because they're currently ninth. Then maybe if they start a little better, we're talking about a team that's seventh instead of ninth. So like how much of a difference is that? You're still a playing team, but that five and 14 start put this team in such a hole. But I also, I think it would be remiss not to give this team credit for what they've done for the last two months. And over that last two months, 30 odd games, they're 18 and 12. They've won 60% of their games. They're one of 10 teams in basketball to have won 60% of their games through that stretch. They've got a positive net rating. Again, one of the 14 or 15 teams in the NBA that have a pot of positive net rating. I think they're sixth in the East through that stretch in net rating. So they've, they've been a decent, good basketball team for the last two-ish months, which is ironic because the noise has gotten louder about a lot of things. As we talked about before, this fan base is annoyed and, Understandably, I, I get it I, on some on some level. I, I definitely get it, but I, I think this is a good team, and I just think with a little bit more depth, they could have been a better team. But obviously, they didn't add anything really, you know, substantial in the off season, or at least it hasn't necessarily put, uh, materialized in the way that AK would have thought. That five and fourteen start really made things quite difficult to the point now we're getting to five hundred would be a tall task. So, I just think if they took the opportunities that came like as an example, like, and this was never going to happen because of the the tax situation. But if you had one or two extra guys on this team that Billy could rely on right now, rather than having to play six or seven guys that he really trusts, particularly with the injury situation, had you have used your full mid-level exception or that the, the Alonzo DPE or your biannual exception or whatever it may have been, just to add a little bit more to this roster, guys like Kobe and DeMar aren't having to play 40 something, isn't it? Uh, 40 something minute, minutes maybe Vooch isn't having to be leaned on so much on the offense because you've got another offensive player coming off the bench whatever it might be like I talked about it before but Kobe and DeMar right now are the only guys on ball that you feel like can do something out of pick and roll mm-hmm. maybe that wouldn't be the case if you had a, a chance to add someone else in the offseason now that's done and dusted but what isn't is the trade deadline which is what you're sort of referring to so mm-hmm. i would like to see them move on from zach for a number of different reasons in part because he doesn't want to be here but even if you can't necessarily get the greatest of returns for zach and you, you even bring through a couple role guys maybe they expire either in this off season or the, the season thereafter but you add depth for this current team like could you make a run not like a real run to the eastern conference finals or the finals or anything like that but could you put together a, a a situation where you win in the plane and put together a really strong first round. I, th- I think that's in play, but that requires you to pro- be proactive and to move on from someone like Zach, get maybe in that Zach trade, one or two role guys that can help now. And maybe you have to bite the bullet and take a loss on the PR side of things in a Zach trade. But if that's the best thing for the organization moving forward long-term, but also for this season as well, then I would do it. So I think there's some scope for them to add to what they've been doing, but it's just difficult because where that that five and fourteen start is something that you can't erase from their record. It is keeping them in that ninth spot in a lot of respects, despite them playing sixty percent basketball since that time. So it's frustrating. It's a season of missed opportunities thus far. In some respect, this AK era has been a yeah. a calamity of missed opportunities, but there is still opportunities now to make this season or, or get more out of this season than what, where it's maybe currently projected to be. But the question is like, does AK want to 
do something like that? Does he want to be bold enough to make a Zach Levine trade whereby he doesn't necessarily get one or two first round picks? Is he asking price too much? Is he prepared to make any other moves? Like, I, I don't know the answer to those things, but I think there is scope to do something different. I think there is scope to make this current season a little bit more tenable and actually get something a little bit more out of it than just a plain appearance. But that falls on AK and I don't have much faith there, to be honest with you. <laughs> Well, definitely. It's it's frustrating um, to see this team kind of be stuck in the mud and this front office seemingly, at least according to, obviously, the report today with Darnell Mayberry uh, said that they expect the Bulls to essentially stand pat. And, yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating hearing that, and it's frustrating not – like obviously, like a lot of us want want to see a rebuild in a sense. Like we want to see the Bulls take advantage of some of the assets that they have, like guys like uh, Caruso, Demar. You could potentially get some value from even Andre Drummond. You could get some value for like Drummond's. I could get a first rounder, but you could get maybe a second or two, a couple of second rounders maybe for him, uh, considering how valuable he is as a backup big. Um, and a lot of teams definitely need size and rebounding off the bench. So, yeah, those, those type of things, it's just like they're they're content to try to just be that playing team if they can maybe sneak in into that eight spot and get that extra playoff revenue. May, that's maybe good enough for them, and that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... The one thing, so I'll bring this up because, I mean, this happened recently, but the the Terry Rozier trade where Miami sent a uh, protected first and uh, Kyle Lowry's contract to the Charlotte Hornets, it, it feels like, at least to me, it feels like these are around the type of offers. Not saying that the Bulls have been offered expiring contracts for Levine, but more or less, these are the type of offers the Bulls are getting for Zach Levine. And I'm sure that the Bulls were hoping that if they could trade Zach Levine, it could either jumpstart a rebuild or if they were competing, it could give them some some depth pieces that, like you uh, mentioned, Mark, where they could get some guys who fit the system a little bit, who you know can play off uh, DeMar, can play off Kobe, who can you know hit some threes and can kind of give them that to replenish things, and then they can make a little bit of a run that way. But it, it doesn't seem like that's going to come to fruition, and it really just seems like the market on Zach has just been really sour overall. And then when you you look at the other pieces, I, I don't know, like everything that that's been happening with Caruso is very questionable because. Next season, he's going to be in the last year of his deal, and this Bulls team doesn't project to be any better than what they are. So, if you were trying to, to, you know, you know, maximize what his trade value is right now, there's no better time to do it. But everything we've seen is that the Bulls do not want to trade uh, Caruso. So it's a, it's very peculiar what the actual game plan here is in terms of just managing assets because they have players that. You know, they have a player that other teams want, but they don't want to move him. And then they have a player that teams don't really want, and they really want to move that guy. So, and then DeMar's an expiring too. And we, I mean, I don't think he's going to be back. I mean, he's 34. He probably wants to compete for a championship. So, I don't know. Like, everything just seems all over the place right now to me. And it's, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I get, I, I think there's a, there's a direction for this team, but it, everything around it just doesn't seem to add up <laughs> yeah no i hear that like it is maddening in some respects I, I completely understand why you would want to trade caruso and mm. you know me as well logically that makes complete sense and i've said as i've said that i would trade caruso if it makes sense to go backwards but similarly if you're convinced that you need to keep him and demar then what i can't see or what i can't accept is just not doing anything in the deadline and just continuing as is like mm okay, fine, like the idea of putting it all together for one last run type thing isn't as appealing than maybe setting up the next three to five years. I, I, I certainly agree with that. But if for whatever reason you you go down that path of wanting to try to salvage this season or make this season more than just being the ninth seed and maybe getting a second playing game or something like that, then like I said, like 
do stuff, add stuff, be proactive, whether that's using your mid-level to, to sign a buyout guy or making some trades or doing something <laughs> where you're adding to this roster whereby if you want to win games, you're you're giving them more opportunities or more of a chance to actually win games because if they do another, go through another cycle doing nothing, irrespective of if the plan is to compete or to go backwards, like you can't do nothing. Mm. <laughs> so we, we can argue about like what is the right path to take to, to, to try to continue going forwards or backwards, irrespective of what that is, the answer to that question, like, it requires an action regardless of that path. Right. But right. to your point, and based on everything that Darnell has said in his reporting and the and the source reports within his reporting, it sounds like the Bulls are going to do nothing, which again, we probably don't even need reports to, to get to that point because we know they love DeMar and Caruso, all reporting previously sort of suggests that much. Vooch has probably negative value at this point. I don't understand why you would want to move on from Kobe, Io, Pat, Julian, even Dale and Terry. Mm. Uh, and then you pretty much get to the Zach Levine at that stage, who's seemingly the only guy that's available. No one wants him to your point. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, cool. Maybe you may move Drummond or Javon Carter or Tory Craig, but like, is that really moving the needle any which way? Probably not really. So if you're not prepared to move some guys and the one guy that you want to move isn't going anywhere or no one wants him and you're not moving the guys on the periphery because well, for whatever reason, then you're not doing anything. You're not going anywhere. So, I, I, yeah, I, I guess you could com- convince me a number of different ways as to what the right strategy is for this deadline, whether you should sell or buy or whatever it might be. But you can't do nothing. Like, I think everyone agrees on that. Um, right. So you, think- you, you can't do nothing. Let me let me ask you this. Well, you- I was going to say, no, I was just going to say, I mean, maybe you could get even really bold. And I know people have talked about Lonzo Ball's contract over being paid by insurance right now. Maybe there's yeah. a team out there that's like, okay, I'll take that contract because they'll save us money. Um, and we'll give you this player that's making $20 million that could help you win. Mm. Um, that, that's, a, that's something there for the Bulls to do. And unfortunately, the Bulls, it just seems like they're stuck on wanting to have Lonzo back at some point next season, even though that might still be a big question mark. Well, well on that point, like I just something that's jumped to my mind, just as you said that, I don't even know if this is feasible. It might be a bad idea to do it, but like Lonzo is somewhat of an expiring, let's say, depending on the situation. Right. Bruce Brown, depending on the situation, he has a team yeah. option on his contract. Those contracts line up perfectly. If you have to include a first-round pick, maybe you do so. Obviously, you're heavily protected in some respects. You you don't do the whole Vooch thing again. Maybe it doesn't make sense to add or trade a future first for Bruce Brown. I'm riffing on this idea, but like that's an example whereby you would literally be adding to the rotation and adding a good player to the rotation, giving this group a chance to do something Mm -hmm. rather than doing nothing and hoping either Lonzo comes back or the or the money goes off the books. But in in that particular trade, like. If it all goes pear shaped, then you you've got the team option. You can you can let Bruce Brown go, and your cap situation remains as is. So there are avenues for them to do stuff. It's just whether they have the goal to do it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think they're. I, I agree with you. I think they have to do. They have to figure out something. And I think yeah. the disappointing part is that when this era of AK started there was an initial burst of creativity i think when they were making moves over the cap and it felt like okay this is the type of creativity ambition that we have been lacking for so many years and we're finally getting some of it with this new regime but now we've kind of you know pivoted right back to where we were where it's so much just you know standing pat not really having a feel like showing a really good feel for a market and really just losing value on so many assets because i mean it I don't know, like to me, like, I mean, I'm repeating myself again, but the way they're approaching this thing with Caruso, I mean, great player, but again, what's the plan after this season when he has one year left on his deal and on his next contract, I mean, he's not going to be making $8 million. Like he's going to be making a lot more money. So I don't like, what's the plan here? He's more appealing when he has a year left on his deal versus just being an expiring. So I, I don't, I don't know, but uh, real, real quick before we uh, get into Pat, uh, what do you think the chances are, Mark, that 
I, I know all of us trade stuff is kind of like a game of chicken at the end of the day, but what do you think the chances are that the Bulls kind of just blink in the staring contest and they decide to trade Zach Levine for lower than they, a lot lower than they thought? Or do you think that they are just going to say, hey, we're, we're definitely not going to trade him for this. We'll just keep Zach going forward rather than just trade him for pennies on the dollar. I mean, there's a lot of risk with that. Like, uh, assuming you can't move him at the at the at the draft, and he's on your books come July one, uh, you know that that changes your calculus from a team salary point of view. And does that put you in a difficult spot if you want to resign Pat and Demar? Uh, there's changes coming from a CBA point of view where it makes it hard for some of these first or second apron teams to really one execute a trade. Um, particularly if they are in that second apron stage. But two, like if they are approaching those levels of first or second aprons and teams are reluctant to to take on that third guy with the max deal, like again, like there's a risk with holding him on, holding on to Zach. So that's why I'm like all all in on trading him now. In addition to the fact that he clearly doesn't want to be here. It's the sooner someone doesn't want to be a ball, then I'm out on them pretty quickly. <laughs> I, I don't think that's uh, an unfair response. But so I, do, I think there is some risk in bringing him back because what happens if he does come back and and the version of Zach that we saw before he went out again injured, where he was trying to fit in? Like what 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 happens if that dissipates and he's resigned to the fact that he's not going anywhere for another several months and he starts tanking it again like he was the start of this season and just demolishes the the goodwill that you have had over the last couple of months where you have been playing decent basketball. Like that, that is a risk that you have to factor into it. So I, I would be moving on. I think it gives you some optionality and flexibility to get off his money. I would obviously prefer to get picks with Zach, but if you can't, then, you know, understand the market conditions, move on, cut your losses and go forward. Like why prolong something that you don't need to, like if, if all we're really talking about is holding out here for a heavily protected first or a shitty end of first round pick just to say we got back a first round pick for Zach, like if, if that's the only thing that, that we're holding out on or whatever it may be, whatever that asset is, is it worth, you know, is it worth holding out and doing all this stuff just to, just to say you got that asset? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think there's an opportunity cost to it all and I would be moving on. Do I expect the balls to do that? I don't think so. Again, based on the reporting, it sounds like they want to have a real return for Zach, and I get it. Like that, and in some respects, like that's what they should be doing, trying to get as much back for Zach because that's the best thing for the Bulls. But you could also make the best uh, the argument as well that the best thing for the Bulls is just to move on, cut ties, and think about something differently and doing things differently. So, again, it's a matter of debate. Debate rather, I, I would move on. I would be doing it as soon as I can. Now, obviously, the issue. Part of the issue here is that seemingly no one wants Zach, but maybe no one wants Zach because you're asking too much for Zach. And maybe you have to be more realistic and you have to move on and it's the best thing for everyone. So that's where I'm at now. That's what I hope they do. But it, it, it sounds like they have to come to that realization or you know lower their asking price, but I'm not convinced that they're going to do so. I don't, I don't foresee Zach being moved just because of, like I said, the asking price is like what Mark said, I should... I should what I mean is, like, yeah, they're not going to move on from him without getting exactly what they want without losing that deal and looking like, uh, looking bad, essentially. It'll be like a PR hit for them that, you know, they, they traded their all-star or whatever have you for essentially just expirings and they didn't get any picks for them. They didn't get any young players for him. Um, and yeah, they just don't want to, they don't want to look bad, essentially. So, <laughs> It's yeah. it's going to be what it is. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting uh, approaching the trade deadline to see if anything actually shifts. We saw some rumors uh, about the Detroit Pistons, but they have four untouchable players in those uh, trade talks. I don't think that's uh, really going too far with that one. And I think the the scenarios, I think Casey Johnson had a um, an article on NBC, Chicago, uh, NBC Sports Chicago about some trade scenarios, and none of them really sounded very appealing so we'll, we'll see if any other teams really step up uh at the trade deadline with zach and the upper pieces uh so we'll, we'll close out on this uh with patrick williams and his injury 
So uh, I wanted to pull this up just so I can make sure I got the uh, actual diagnosis right. And I'll probably uh, botch the name, but uh, Patrick, Patrick Williams is out uh, with an acute bone edema in his left foot and will be reassessed in approximately two weeks. So again, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, this is very much a bulls type of injury because I've never heard this uh, injury before in any sport. So uh, it's very interesting, but uh, yeah, we're we're, uh, hoping Pat can uh, get back soon and hopefully it's not anything that is going to uh, keep him out for like the whole season or something like that. Um, But yeah, the timing of it just sucks because I mean, Pat was, Pat had bounced back, uh, from a slow start this season and he's shown he's shown a lot more promise i think this season he's starting to really slowly i think put it together in some ways and this is just like a another setback that you really don't want to see but uh in his absence i mean we're going to see more julian phillips uh and julian phillips i think had a, a pretty solid showing against toronto the uh the other night so i'm excited to see more from uh phillips so uh, Mark, what what do you think? What are your thoughts on this injury with Pat and what it means for playing time to see uh, see Julian Phillips? I mean, Phillips again, he, he has shown some promise out there a little bit. Uh, very active, very athletic. Uh, I, I think his shot mechanics look a lot better than what they were in college. So there's some there's some stuff there to work with, and he's still raw in some aspects, but uh, definitely some things to work with there. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Pat and what this could mean for uh, Julian Phillips going forward. Well, it sucks for Pat. Mm. Uh, it sucks for Pat stands, and I'm looking at one of the biggest Pat stands <laughs> who's probably devastated by this. Um, but, you know, being serious for a moment, like, uh, you know, even though I'm not the biggest Pat guy in the sense that I don't think he has that star upside that some do, like, I always hate seeing dudes go down with an injury in contract years. And let's see what this looks like in terms of time. It's at least going to be two weeks. It has the potential to be more uh, similar to what you were sort of alluding to, Edward. Like it does feel like a ballsy type of injury whereby something happens. You don't, they get these injuries that don't seem common. It gets reported that it's a two week thing and then a two week thing becomes a one month thing, which then becomes a 12 month thing. So I'm obviously not hoping that's not the case, but I understand fan sentiment around that because that's kind of what's always happened in some degree in years past. But like coming back to the point around the contract stuff, like it just sucks. Like I I don't like seeing players who are playing for something, trying to find themselves as players more generally, but then trying to earn that dollar go down in these, in in these important years for them. Like we saw that with Javante Green, like had that uh, knee injury and then, Oh, I had that knee injury when he was coming up to his free agency and Javante is no longer in the league. Now I'm not suggesting that's going to be the situation for Pat, but it sucks for when guys go down when it matters most for them. So I'm hoping he comes back for a number of different reasons or, you know, including him furthering his development and trying to find his place in the league. But I kind of hope he gets back so he can really show what he can be and earn as most money as, as he can, because that's what he deserves. So I'm hoping that's the case for Pat, but in lieu of Pat, like this is a good opportunity for Julian Phillips and he gets that opportunity because the Bulls just haven't prioritized wings, which is again, another AK issue. People talk about Billy playing small ball, but he, he plays small ball because this is a guard, a, a guard heavy roster, but that's a good opportunity for Julian Phillips because he's this right now is the only dude that's six foot eight that plays on the wing. Everyone else is smaller. Like Damar is six six, and he's probably the biggest winger beyond uh, beyond uh, Julian Phillips, and the rest is you know big, you know centers and those sorts of things. So this is a good opportunity for Julian Phillips. I've liked what I've seen. I like the fact that this dude knows where to be on the court and he's constantly active. Knows how to influence the game without the ball. Um, has done some things that have been very encouraging, particularly for a second round guy. So I want to see more. He's still got a lot to learn. He's still very raw in some respects. The jumper is definitely better than what I thought it was. It's probably still a bit too... The release still needs work and it's still a little bit flat for my liking in terms of the trajectory of the shot. But he's better than what I thought he was going to be. Um, It seems like it's another second round win for AK. Maybe maybe this is what AK needs to do. Maybe he needs to trade all his first round picks because the first round picks he has made... (laughs) Haven't necessarily been good ones, but the second round picks that he has has made have been 
generally been pretty good ones. Uh, Simonovic, notwithstanding, but like Io has been a good player. Mm. I think Julian Phillips is on a path where he can be a good player too. So it's a good opportunity for him. And whilst that is true, like, and and I've enjoyed watching him. I also don't want to watch him because if Julian Phillips is getting real minutes now, then it means something's mm-hmm. gone wrong from a rotation standpoint. And like I said before, if you're trying to win basketball games, you're trying to, instead of being the ninth seed, be the seventh seed or whatever it might be, then you can't be relying on someone like Phillips right now. So there needs to be reinforcements coming, whether it's Patrick and Tory getting healthy and getting back into the rotation or guys coming in via trade as we discussed. So that would be my preference. But if that doesn't happen, then, okay, cool. Let's see what Julian Phillips can do. And, and maybe he can steady the ship from that rotational standpoint. And, and maybe he can bring more from that point of view. But I've liked what I've seen, but uh, the Bulls would be asking a lot of him if he's to come in and play real minutes on the wing. Mm-hmm. I do ache for my guy, Patrick Williams. I am the resident uh, Pat Stan, uh, <laughs> along with my guys, uh, Chris Amundsen and uh, Larry Golden of Swish Theory. Uh well, you know, I, you know, if we jo- all jokes aside, I don't think Mark and I are that far off on who Pat eventual peak is. Um, I thought he was like finally figuring out how to be a role guy and doing those little things, and uh, you know, learning how to play in an ideal role for him that he could eventually develop into more consistently. And unfortunately, the injury started getting in the way. With the first one being the ankle injury. Um, and then this foot injury that turned into like, you know, it's funny when you, you know, at, at you you read the name and like when when I look up acute bone edema, it says bone marrow edema. And that bone marrow scares me. Like, what the hell is that? Like, it's like, what is that? Like, what, what does he have? Um, you know, and, and still a lot of questions on, on the, how bad of an injury it is for him because they're saying they're going to reevaluate him in two weeks. Right. Mm. Um and like the, the, like I've seen severely the more severe ones have been where a guy's been out for like two years like it's a, like a two year thing, but oh. obviously we just don't know what it is. <laughs> there's not been much there's not been much clarity from the Bulls' end on what it is. Shams is the one who uh, you know broke the news that uh, Pat was going to be out because of this injury. So it's like. I mean, we'll find out. We have to just, you know, knock on wood and hope that this is not one of those actual weird bull situations where, you know, we're mm-hmm. expecting him to be back. Like uh, Mark brought, brought up Javante. Like he wasn't supposed to be out for the season. Like Javante was supposed yeah. to be back yeah. and this never happened. Uh, same way with obviously Lonzo being the more severe one of recent injuries. But yeah, we'll see. Hopefully he, he comes back. Uh, and, and can at least play out this season and maybe get back, you know, into the right step, if you will, like his right, the play playing the right way and maybe earn some kind of contract that, you know, in this, this off season. But yeah, like to, to the note of Julian Phillips, I've liked as far as his, his ability on offense, like you kind of see, I, I like that he makes quick decisions. Like he doesn't hesitate when he gets the ball he's going to shoot it like when he when the shot when the advantage is being created for him he's he shoots a ball or if it's not there he quickly moves the ball he doesn't like hold on to it and thinks too much so that's real positive there like i feel like defensive we've seen positives and like the negatives defensively of our, i feel like are a lot of maybe and i could be wrong but it be, feels like more like rookie stuff like a guy that's maybe still learning scheme nba schemes and things like that uh, those are the type of mistakes you're probably seeing and like kind of learning the speed of the game uh, on the defensive side. But yeah, I think the, the there's he he feels like a guy that he's going to be a guy at least like a guy that like you envision like a three and D type of player and like the obviously the athleticism pops. So maybe you can see him eventually if he goes into his body, maybe being one of those like DJ um, uh, Derek Jones type of small ball fives and situational uh, things. This is the way he can kind of leap off the floor, uh, off the floor. So yeah, I've, I've liked what I've seen from Julian Phillips and and like I said, hopefully in an ideal situation, if Pat can get back right and be that type of player, like. 
and ideally you would be nice to see those two play together like pat at, at, at the five and julian at the four and and certain small ball lineups um the bulls like being able to run up and down the court with kobe at point guard and so forth so that that would be an, another ideal situation uh hopefully health permitting yeah i'm i'm hoping that phillips can kind of grow into uh maybe kind of like a, a development timeline or trajectory of like a Dorian Finney-Smith, like just a really solid role player who can give you two-way value, who can – Dorian Finney-Smith improved his three-point shot as the as he went by in the NBA, and I feel like he's a really solid piece overall in Brooklyn. So uh, if I'm keeping it modest with expectations, he would be someone that I really hope that he can turn into. And like you guys have said, I, I to me, my favorite skill of his is that he's just very active and he – like you said, he doesn't hesitate. He stays involved and he just really seems fearless out there. And I, I really like that in him. And I think the jump shot is ahead of when I think of Patrick Williams and I think of Daylon Terry and how they came into the league with, with their jump shots. And, you know, as Mark alluded to it, there, there's some kind of like flatness that he kind of needs to work out. But I think I like I like his I like his overall form up top. I feel like that's always been pretty solid. And I think he's worked on his base a lot more. It used to kind of have like that weird, like kind of like spread leg thing. And I feel like he's gotten rid of that mostly. So uh, very encouraged by what uh, I'm seeing from Julian Phillips. And uh, hopefully Pat gets back soon because I, I don't want to see him lose a bag. But getting to watch Phillips some will be uh, pretty interesting uh, overall to close out the season. But yeah, if, if the team has to rely on him heavy uh, down the stretch and they're not getting guys back, it could uh things could uh be uh very rocky for his team going forward. So, uh we'll we'll see how uh, Phillips uh can play uh the rest of the season and hopefully the Pat news isn't too bad. You you kind of scared me there with the two year thing. So when you said that, I was like, oh my god. It's like the extreme. Well, that yeah. is an extreme version version of like what I was reading of this injury. I yeah. was like. But there's no clarity on exactly right. what it is, so yeah. it's it, it, we're we're just left guessing. And obviously, I don't, I'm not trying to be irresponsible and say what it is, <laughs> but just the severity of what it yeah. could be is that. I mean, yeah. like really, just knock on wood and really hope for Pat. Forget like the basketball side. Mm. Uh, uh, forget the Bulls side. Just hope for Pat that it's not that. Like for as a as a human being. Right. Like I hope he can just, you know, be okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Prayers up for uh prayers up for Pat. Hopefully he's gonna be hopefully he's gonna be all right and that this isn't anything too crazy. So um yeah, definitely uh sending our best wishes out to him. But uh we'll we'll, we'll wrap up. Uh Mark, thank you so much for dropping by on Bulls Go. We always appreciate talking ball with you, man. Uh, let our listeners know, man, what, what are you working on right now as we're, we're, we're approaching the trade deadline? We're approaching All-Star Weekend, so we're kind of at that midway point. But what do you got in the pipeline uh, uh, right now? And, like, what are you working on on CSGO? Not, not much, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just rant, yelling and ranting uh, <laughs> once a week there on on, on podcast form. Uh, Will and I doing our thing there. So at CHGO underscore balls on Twitter, you can follow us there. Obviously, if you tune in, uh, look up, look us up on YouTube, uh, CHGO Sports, but CHGO Balls, uh, Big Dave, Matt, and William there pretty much every day. I'm, like I said, I'm, I, I pop up every week then and, then and again sort of thing, but mostly just yelling on Twitter. That's what, that's what I'm doing. So not actually doing much productively, I guess you would say. <laughs> it would, but uh, if people... <laughs> Want to find, uh, follow me and don't think my takes are, are terrible, then um, the, at MK Hoops. Or maybe you want to follow me to see my terrible takes, whatever it may be. That's where you can get me. Yeah, to, to see you ripping Billy Donovan a new one every <laughs> single day. So, I mean, if, if you're a fan of that, please follow Mark, man. He, he really gives it to Billy, bro. <laughs> Oh, Just, uh, I've got to defend the man. There's, there's like two people out there that's de- defending Billy Donovan. I think I might be one of, and then the other ones, um, my mate Michael. But uh, we're the only two, I think, and it's uh, it's a lonely island out there. But you got to do what you got to do. You got to yeah. stand up for what you believe in. And, hey, if you don't yeah. stand for something, you stand for nothing. And I stand for yeah. Billy Donovan. I'm right, right now, I'm wondering who's a bigger stand: you for Billy Donovan or Celine for uh, Pat. I don't know. It's getting kind of close right Ooh, now. Oh, that's a tough one. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. <laughs> that's a tough one. Yeah. You know, I think I, I think it's both. I think the comparison's apt because, like, I think like people always say, Pat, like Mark hates Pat, but he doesn't hate Pat. Yeah. Uh, he just has a different opinion on who he is. Um, 
And then like Billy, like for me, it's like I don't hate Billy. I I, I think Billy is a, an average coach, and I, I do chuckle at the overt hate that he gets about everything being his fault, um, every loss being his fault, and but you know when the Bulls are when the Bulls lose every game, it's because Billy didn't. Uh, do something right and then chew this gum and i mean if billy just needs to switch to breath mints i think that'll solve everything <laughs> I, I, in my opinion but <laughs> it's enough comparison because like both guys are like somewhat average and decent and fine like I, i'm not sitting here saying billy's a good or great basketball coach no well, he's a good basketball coach but i don't think like he's eric sepulster out there similarly as you where you don't think pat's like the second coming of Kawhi leonard but seemingly the takes all around it is he's either incredible or he's terrible, but like there's no middle position. So I, that's what I push mm-hmm. back against. Like the, this guy is the worst type um, attitude. And that's what you do with Pat too. And to be fair, I think I've done that with Pat too as well, but like, mm-hmm. can we just have some normal balanced nuanced takes rather than just people yelling online? That would be ideal, but uh, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think with, with Billy, I've always felt that he's a, Average the solid coach. He's gotten a lot out of some weird teams. I mean, you think back to that OKC team he had that people thought was going to be really bad with CP3 and uh, like mm-hmm. Gallinari and uh, Schroeder. And I think uh, SGA wasn't quite what he is now. But I mean, he mm-hmm. made that team pretty competitive in a tough Western Conference. And he's done a pretty solid job here. I mean, he's kept the team. I mean, the team has not been like awful, awful. Like they have been competitive. So I, I feel like he's a coach where you're not. Like, yeah, if he wanted to win a championship, he's probably not at the top of the list. But I don't think he's so bad that you, if a team was a contender, that you couldn't win a t- title because of his coaching. Like, I think he is an acceptable basketball coach at at bare minimum, at least. But from there, yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's perfectly fine. There's like 15 average coaches in the NBA. There's mm-hmm. maybe like three to five great ones and two to two to five terrible coaches. I don't think right. he's in that ladder. He's just fine he's yeah. a good coach like a lot of these guys yeah then there's pros and cons with a lot of these guys whoever your coach is you're going to have problem with their rotations whoever your coach is they're going to have problem with their substitutions or their timeouts or their decisions on offense or defense whatever it might be like that's the part that annoys me but uh to your mm-hmm. point like even this season mm-hmm. 18 you've won 18 of your last 13 games that the, the first 19 games didn't go to plan for a lot of different reasons there was one big obvious reason as to why that was the case uh, but yeah, I think Billy's done a lot of good things. The top 10 in defense again, people thought that they last season, the Bulls couldn't be fifth on in defense, but they were, they're repeating that to some respects. Now they're not fifth, but they're ninth. I think they are currently. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that he's doing well. I just wish there was a little bit more depth and a little bit more offensive creation for him to mm-hmm. leverage. But like we talked about before, maybe that comes at the deadline or maybe it doesn't. Let's see. But, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be an interesting... I'm hoping they do something at the deadline because, man, is it going to be tough to talk about this team post the deadline if it's <laughs> yeah, nothing different, I, I, which I you guys will definitely it. know about. So. Oh, oh, my gosh. I'm I'm dreading, yeah. dreading. <laughs> I just, oh, God. Fingers crossed. It, I, I don't know. Like, how many shows have we got up here and we've had to just, like, make sense out of them doing nothing and it's just... Yeah. You, you just don't look forward to it at all, man. Uh Celine, yeah. you got any final thoughts, man, before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, thanks to Mark. Uh, I'm glad we've finally been able to work our schedules uh, to have him back on. Uh, and I know we tried a few times in the last few months, and it just, like, yeah. things came about. It's like, again, we've got to cancel the show, or just yeah. because, obviously, the time difference is tough, tougher to, to get it right. Um, so I'm glad we were able to have him on. Yeah, the Bulls, hopefully they make a move. Um, they surprise us. Maybe, maybe this is like a a, a, a last ditch effort to make teams bid more for Zach. Maybe it's a lie that they're not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, um, wishful thinking for <laughs> sure. But hopefully, that's that's what's going on here. And uh, yeah, let's see, let's see what happens the rest of this. Uh, these next two. I mean, I think they're going to lose these next two games. Yeah. For sure, uh, the Kings and the Timberwolves; Ooh. those those two games are L's to me. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens going into the deadline after that. Yeah, they have uh, Sacramento, Minnesota, M- Memphis on the road, Orlando on the road, Atlanta on the road, 
Cleveland, yeah, got some some tough ones coming up. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah not not the best, yeah. but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how they they handle it, and yeah, hopefully they can uh make some moves at the trade deadline to to better this team. But that concludes today's Bulls Gold. Uh, we want to thank again Mark Harris for dropping by on today's show. You can catch our past shows wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, on Spotify. On Podbean, and of course, right here on the Barroom Network for Salim Suwala. I am Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans.